I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This episode, I'm continuing the um, series, the Soul City um, New Orleans series, with the second episode in the trilogy, Pillow Shop. When I was a teenager, um, maybe I was 13, 14, um, maybe even a little older, my brother was experiencing insomnia. And, well, let me just back up and say he was experiencing what we thought was just insomnia. Um, He would essentially stay up for days, Um, not more than two, um, but yeah, he'd go, there would be times where he'd go 48 hours with either no sleep or not more than like an hour worth of sleep. And at the time, you know, he was out of high school, he had done a year in college and then had come home. Um, he had gone to college for singing. He, my, my brother is a, one of my brothers, the brother I'm talking about is a beautiful singer, um, has wonderful voice. Um, he's a tenor and he was in school for it. Got a scholarship, this little small, um, small liberal arts college in Kansas. Um, I can't even think of the name of it now. Anyway, but by the, by the time he was experiencing insomnia, he'd come back from doing that. And um, yeah, I don't even think he made it to his sophomore year. Um, and, you know, he was doing construction work or whatever. Like odd, odd jobs were more so construction work. And so, so yeah, my mom attributed his restlessness, his insomnia to him just being stressed because he didn't have direction. He couldn't find his footing in the world. And my dad said the similar thing too, like he just needed discipline. And so he, like I said, he would go days, 48 hours, um, without sleeping or sleeping no more than an hour. And if you've ever experienced insomnia yourself, or you know someone who has, there's this look that they have. So they're present with you. But when you look in their eyes, it's like, they're here as best they can. They're present with you as best they can. As, as best they can be. You know what I mean? Um, but it's clear that they're not firing on all cylinders, right? So it could be that they're irritable, that they're moody, um, or lethargic and all of that. Now, you know, my, my brother's eyes stayed bloodshot and they were bloodshot because he was also drinking and, and um, also, you know, self-medicating in other ways too. So 
unbeknownst to us at the time, and again, I think we were just a little naive. I know we were, we were naive. Um, because again, we thought he just didn't have direction. Now fast forward, 20 years later, he has a diagnosis and it's bipolar two. So his, his insomnia was really mania. Um, and he would crash or at least some form of that. And, you know, for his intense highs, he'd have these very equally intense lows, um, or worse, like depend, you know what I mean? Um, well, you don't know what I mean if you don't know anyone who is living with bipolar too. Um, but anyway, yeah, so his insomnia was part of the symptoms of his diagnosis. Um, but nevertheless, like I've experienced times where I've not been able to sleep or I've not been able to sleep for very long. Um, and yeah, so again, there are different reasons why we go through that. Again, for my brother, the, the sleeplessness was a symptom, one of the symptoms of his bipolar two diagnosis that upon medication, you know, regulation, it's, it's um, kind of handled, right? And so he's medicated, he's, he has a, he's choosing to deal with his symptoms by medication, um, doctor prescribed medication. And that doctor prescribed medication with talk therapy is allowing him to kind of regulate himself. He just, just, and I'm getting off my soapbox, but I just feel like I need to share it. What we know is that hospitalizations happen, um, relapses happen. And I'm, and again, I, I know folks talk about relapses as it relates to drug use, but we're talking about someone who was on a wellness plan. They had everything together, talk therapy and medication. And then some incident happens, something happens, and then they stop taking the medication and they stop going to talk therapy and they relapse. That's called a relapse when you stop taking your medication. Um, especially if you're living with something like a diagnosis like bipolar two, if you stop taking your medication, you stop doing those things that were helping you to be well, those productive things that were helping you to be well and to function the way you need to function. That is you relapsing, right? Same concept as someone who's stopped drinking or stopped doing um, an illicit drug for, or drug, for um, a long period of time because that was impacting negatively their, their life and their well-being. And then they, excuse me, they do it again right? That's relapsing, right? Same concept. Anyway, so I'm not saying that my brother is 100%. Everything is, you know, Jake. But um, at least there's a path to wellness that if he can just, if he can just maintain what wellness is for him, the path that is appropriate for him, that the insomnia and all the other side effects and, and there are just more there are more ways that that comes out in any way. Again, if you, you know what I'm talking about. If you yourself is living with bipolar two, or you know someone who's living with bipolar two, like it manifests itself differently in different people, but you get what I'm talking about anyway. So yeah. So for the most part, when he's doing, when he's working his plan, the insomnia isn't a thing anymore. And the swings aren't as severe. He still gets like super hype and then kind of down, but like, not more than you or I who are not living with bipolar two, if that makes any sense to you. Anyhow, so, but, so there's that. But I myself has, have experienced 
sleeplessness, especially when I'm dealing with anxiety. Um, and I'm the type of person where I'm not, I really don't like surprises. Not really. I don't. Um, but if you completely blindside me and it's not one of those things where I feel like embarrassed, but it's like one of those things where like you give me a present or you surprise me with some sort of gift, um, then sure. But if it's like something by my anxiety around surprises is that it's one of those things where you give me something I don't want. Um, and I'm not talking about a gift. I'm talking about like you put me on the spot to perform in some way and I'm not prepared to do that. And I don't like that because I don't like doing things that I haven't thought about doing, which is a control issue. And I should probably (laughs) work through professional with that. But nevertheless, I'm not, I don't really love surprises. Um, And so anyway, and so I spend a lot of time thinking through scenarios. Um, And it's kind of the thing that I do. I'm a little controlling anyway. um, But sometimes when things are completely out of my control and I'm trying to think of the best possible outcome or the multiple outcomes that could happen in this very specific thing. And when I let me be clear, usually when I get like this, I'm talking about work. Um, yep. It's usually work related. It's not, it's not any of the sorority things that I do. It's not any of the Greek things that I, the black Greek things that I do. It's not like, you know, yes, with the, our home buying experience. Yeah. But like, it's not even that deep cause it's our money and it's just a house. And if this house don't work out, you guess what? God gonna have another house. So like, I'm not even, it's not even, for me, it's not even that deep when it comes to a home and that sort of experience. But it always, it seems like these last, this last decade or so, I've really lost sleep about work. And I know that that's silly, but nevertheless, the work that I do, I've always done is always community related. And I take that very seriously. Not that anybody else doesn't take it. You know what I'm talking about anyway. So, but I worry myself to death as my as my hubby would say you you worry too much um and he's and he's right I worry too much and so there have been times where I have lost sleep for real behind work and worrying about different scenarios that I that I'm trying to anticipate in some very touchy sticky situations um and so yeah there have been times where I have gone to bed gone to bed at like nine and woke up at three for two weeks straight every morning wake up at at that same time three or two usually it's three for for me when I get in that space and again it's usually around this past this past five six years or so probably yeah five six years or so it has been about work and in that time I've worked for different organizations and the stress level was high for different reasons for those different organizations. And so, yeah, if I was losing sleep, it would, I'd go to bed at 9 PM around 9 PM and wake up three o'clock as if my alarm had gone off, but no, it was my body, my body going off basically just up, you woke. And then I would just lie awake. And then the trick that I would do is I would, I would try to keep my mind blank so that I could drift back off. But what would end up happening is I would begin to think, and you know what happens when you start to think, 
then you get into it and then your body's awake, right? And so there would be, it'd be nothing for me, again, go to bed at nine, wake up at three, not be able to drift off from exhaustion, finally drift off from exhaustion around like five o'clock. But then I'd wake up again at 5.30 because that's when I naturally get up every morning. Um, And I'd do that. There'd be times where I'd be doing that for weeks on end. And that was nothing but stress and anxiety, right? Stress and anxiety that I probably at that point should have adopted some stress relieving practices to be able to do that, to be able to to handle that, to deal with it. But nevertheless, that's not something that was on my mind. I think the closest I ever got to a stress relieving practice was watching ASMR videos, right? Um, which would help me get to sleep, but my problem wasn't getting, getting to sleep, it was staying asleep. My problem was not waking up at three o'clock in the morning. And it got to a point where it was like torment. Like I felt tormented. I would go to bed because I knew it doesn't matter how early I can go to bed. I could go to bed at eight o'clock. I could go to bed at seven o'clock and I will still wake up at 3 a.m in that time frame because that's just what I was doing. And it was just because I was stressed out. And, you know, and for me, stress over the years, and I know I've shared this over the, in the podcast, but um, before over the years, but sometimes stress manifests itself to me and me waking up and not being able to sleep well. I'm sleeping, but not well. And then um, physically, I get stress headaches. And then I will get these pains where I'm like, because I'm tense and I'm clenching my teeth and I'm, um, how can I describe this? You ever clenched your, t- your, you ever clenched your teeth, but like clenched it for more than like a minute. And then once you released your teeth, once you released the clench, how tired your muscles kind of felt, then a little fit, your, your muscles felt fatigued. Well, there have been times where apparently I've been holding my shoulders in that stressful tight position for so long that I've developed cramps because of it, right? But I didn't even know it. Or that my hands would like be balled up in a fist and I'd be, do you know what I mean? Like I just tense, right? Super, super tense. And that's, I don't know, I cannot remember at this point because it's just been so, it's been so long since it's happened at the same time. I can't remember if my sleep issues coincided with my stress headaches and the tenseness. I can't remember. I don't know if like one happened and then that symptom went away and then it manifested in another way. I can't remember or or if they were simultaneous. I just remember that I've experienced that before. And it's, uh, I um, recently, I know I'm jumping, but there's a point to this. Recently, um, I'm the president of my um, sorority chapter. And so I get to kind of set the tone for, you know, kind of, in a lot of ways, the work that we do in the community, how, or at least how we do the work in the community, how we approach it, and then how we, you know, introduce things into the chapter to kind of educate ourselves and support each other as we go out and do work in the community. Now, mind you, everything right now is virtual, so just roll with it. Anyway, so I set up this opportunity to have a workshop about mindfulness. Um, one of the members of our, of our chapter is a clinician. And as part of her practice, she does um, mindfulness exercises or she, she, yeah, she, 
she introduces clients to mindfulness exercises and she, um, she, you know, gives them homework to do, to, to do some of those exercises. And so one of the mindfulness exercises that she, um, prescribes, I guess a lot, (laughs) even though she, she's not a doctor, she's a, um, Oh shoot. I forgot. Dang it. That's my, that's my bad, but y'all know what I'm talking about. The person that is the, not a, she's not a counselor. She's, she's a therapist, but she can't prescribe, um, medication. Yeah. She's, she's that type anyway. So when I use the term homework that she prescribes, it's more like a sign because she can't prescribe anything. Um, anyway, but so the homework that she gives her clients sometimes is meditation. And then there's all these free apps. Everybody knows there are free apps out there for meditation. And so anyway, so she walked us through, um, recently the, the chapter, she walked us through a, uh, stress reliever, um, like a, well, mindfulness workshop is 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, we did 10 minutes of meditation after she explained what mindfulness is and all of that stuff. We meditated. Um, and so, yeah, so, so in that conversation, after we meditated, she was just asking us questions and asking us how we felt about it. And and if we've used meditation before, and I can remember in the last six years, I haven't meditated routinely, but I have adopted more practices of listening to like, you know, those YouTube channels that only play like music that is at a frequency where it's not too loud. It's not too aggressive. And you can just study to it. Like, um, who do I listen to? Chilled cow. Yeah. Yeah. It's the chilled cow with the, with the girl that's doing her homework. Um, and then there's also like white noise on, um, white noise or brown noise on, um, YouTube, and then there's meditation music on YouTube. There's prayer meditation music on on YouTube and stuff like that. So I've been listening more to that as a way to kind of keep myself stress free or at least my stress down. I have not woken up at three o'clock in the morning and because of work-related stress, if I've woken up at three o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom these days and I have not, yeah, I can't, I don't, think I've woken up at three o'clock in the morning on that routine basis in five years, to be honest with you. Uh, no, four years because I, I, I switched jobs. <laughs> um, and so that stress never happened again. And then my husband said flat out, I don't, I don't, you, we got to do something different. You can't keep allowing the job to impact your life like this. I, it's hard for me to sleep when I know you haven't been sleeping because I worry about you. And I'm like, oh boy, vicious cycle. So I had to, you know, I had to start adopting practices so that I could get myself together because it's not just me. I got my husband looking at me like, girl, come on. Like, what can we do? What we got to do here? Because you're not well and you need to get well. And I just thank God for my husband because I thank God for my husband and good friends because my homegirl, mine, she was also talking me through in the best way possible. And sometimes I'm hard headed. So these people adapt. They find ways to talk to me without me being suspicious that what, like by the time I catch on to what they're talking about, it's already too late. We didn't already had the conversation and I'm like, ah, shoot, you're right. All right. Well, come on here. But you're right. I need to do better. So anyway, I thank God I haven't had, I haven't had those stressful 3 a.m. wake ups in at least four years. But nevertheless, I remember what they were like and I'm adopting practices so that I don't have them. 
But I guess my, my point is we have all experienced sleeplessness before. And a lot of times it's due to stress. Sometimes it can be due to medication, but most times, or a health condition, but most times it is related to stress, right? And I, I cut myself off, but in the uh, mindfulness workshop that my um, soror was um, leading, one of the things she said is like, things like IBS and there's another medical condition, she said, have links to their, their psycho, in many ways, doctors, some doctors, some scientists believe that they're, they're psychosomatic, meaning that the origins of this ailment, I guess you can call IBS an ailment, is psychosomatic. So you're dealing with stress, you're dealing with yeah, yeah, you're dealing with stress is what she was saying, that there is a school of thought that suggests that certain medical conditions are stress-induced, including IBS. And so one of the things that, depending on what you are dealing with, sometimes your healthcare provider, you know, your doctor, you'll go in um, and, you know, you'll say what you're dealing with and they'll tell you to go meditate or some junk like that. That's what she made it seem like. And I looked it up myself and it's true that some ailments before that they were prescribed, before you'll be prescribed a medication, they'll also adopt or simultaneously while you're being prescribed a medication, you'll also be um, told to adopt some stress relieving practices. And so stress causes a lot of health ailments in us. And I guess I didn't realize it, but again, remember what I told you, I would get these stress headaches that no, and I didn't say this, but Advil wouldn't, Advil wouldn't do anything to it. Advil couldn't touch it. Um, any of the over-the-counter stuff, it couldn't touch it, and it wasn't a migraine. Um, it was literally me just being tense and stressed out. And I can remember one of the things I Googled one time. I said, you know, what is a, how do you relieve a stress headache? And literally one of the remedies somebody put in there was relax. <laughs> and I, I remember being so frustrated by that statement before I was like, relaxing, That's, I, I can't relax because I'm in pain now. And the reality of it is you're in pain because you're stressed out. If you relax yourself, you will be less stressed. And if you de-stress it, yeah, if you relax yourself, you'll be de-stressed and the pain will go away. You're in pain you have this headache, you are tense and your muscles ache because you're stressed out and you need to relax. And yeah, and it's true. And again, so if I, I hope this helps you, and I know we're supposed to be talking about Soul City, New Orleans pillow shop, but what you don't know is if you haven't watched this, it's exactly about this show. The, the, there's, anyway, I'll get to it in a minute, but yeah, like, just so you know, if you haven't adopted some stress relieving practices, no matter how old you are, it's never too soon and it's never too late for you to adopt stress relieving practices that are healthy, like meditation, like drawing, like listening to something and just making yourself still so that you can relax and being present and remember and reminding yourself to, you know, relax. I, I tell myself, I give my pep self pep talks all the time because sometimes I still as it's a natural habit. At this point, a bad habit that I picked up with my, the old place that I worked for, but I would just sit and I'd be tense and I have to remind myself, I, I, it's a habit at this point that I'm reminding myself throughout the day, relax your shoulders, relax your shoulders. 
you know, relax, unclench your jaw, relax, relax your jaw. Like I'm whispering this to myself. I'm thinking this to myself and I'm kind of whispering it to myself. Relax yourself, girl. You're all right. Don't clench it. You know, don't uncurl your toes. You're okay. You know, relax your back. You're good. Like have good posture, but you know, um, you're good. Relax, relax. And yeah, it works. Now, does it work less well in sometimes than others? Sure. But I never want to get back to where I was before. Anyway, so why am I talking about stress? Why am I talking about sleeplessness? Because the episode, uh, episode two of the Soul City New Orleans um, trilogy or series, even though there's only three, um, in the series is called Pillow Shop. And the premise of the premise of this movie or this short film is one that I think is beautiful because another thing that scares people again remember what remember what I said in the in the first episode of the series grace you know sometimes the things that are I was saying banal before it's banal I never know how to say that word banal banal it's banal or things that are harmless that don't you know they're they're not they don't elicit like a ton of how can I describe this? What am I really trying to say? Things that are considered to be sacred to us, like our religious practices, our religious uh, relationship, um, you know how we how we practice our faith, the, the the like the personal way that we practice our faith, not the public way, but the personal private way that we practice our faith, um, and kids who are universally seen as harmless and things that need to be protected because they are. Um, and animals and everyday things that seem harmless are the best possible candidates for horror because they are harmless to us. We see them in the best possible light, right? They're the prime, they're perfect targets for, um, to be the makings of something that scares the mess out of us, to be twisted to scare the mess out of us, right? And so, Every culture has, every culture has um, some sort of, I don't know if it's like a practice or it's like a, a, a feeling or a saying or a thought. That's what it is. Every, every culture has some sort of thoughts on sleeplessness um, and why you're sleepless or what's happening to you when you are in deep sleep, right? And, and how, like what dreams mean, like every culture has, has, has thoughts on what dreams mean. Um, and you know, some of the best, some of the scariest movies have been about sleeplessness, right? Or have twisted like cultural or religious imagery about what happens when you're asleep um, and twisted it into like a story, like great horror films have twisted those things into uh, a terrible story and terrible as in a horrifying story. And so anyway, so the premise of this episode, Pillow Shop, is, you know, it starts out a guy just wants to go to sleep. He's having bad dreams and he's going to the doctor trying to figure it out because he just needs to get to sleep. And again, if you've ever been sleepless, 
if you've ever dealt with insomnia, you know what that's about. And again, let me let me take a step back. And I did not say this. One of my another one of my um, other uh, my sorors in a in a chapter, um, she shared in the in the wellness, in the in the mindfulness <clears throat> in the mindfulness workshop that we had that she experiences insomnia. And I've never met anyone who experienced insomnia personally, and it wasn't stress induced. Um, and she told, she shared with us that she meditates before she goes to bed. And so when we meditated in um, the workshop, she actually dozed off because it's something that her body recognizes as, oh, when I meditate, it's bedtime. And so even though we only did it for 10 minutes, honey drifted and we, <laughs> we were on Zoom. So we were like, girl, girl, wake up, girl. Anyway, <laughs> and then she woke up and I'm just like, oh, so this is kind of cool. So I can tell you right now, I will fall asleep so fast uh, if I try to meditate right before bed, because again, I don't have a problem falling asleep. Um, it's just when I've been uber stressed, it was staying awake or staying asleep. So um, anyway, but it, praise God, I don't have, I'm not dealing with that now, but yeah. So if you yourself are experiencing um, insomnia, then if you haven't learned this by now, perhaps you could meditate before um, you go to sleep or before you want to go to sleep to get yourself ready to go to sleep. I don't know. Um, again, I'm not a doctor, but I just wanted to share that anyway. But yeah, the, the episode today is all about it's something so simple. A guy wants to go to sleep and he's been having serious trouble going to sleep and the lengths that he will go to or he tries something that is harmless harmless in nature but actually turns out to be one of the most harmful things that he could have done so in the next segment it'll be all about pillow shop Okay, so let me get into Pillow Shop. Okay, so this is the second installment, um, as I mentioned, of the Soul, City's New, Soul City New Orleans um, episode. And basically, it, it's about a guy who can't get any sleep. And this seemingly simple thing that he does to get sleep and what that leads to. Okay, so... Um, the cast itself is, uh, so Dorian Crossman Missick, who I think, never, let me stop guessing. Cause I think in the last one, I messed up who folks were, but Dorian Crossman Missick, Tadassay Young, Tadassi, Tadassi, it's probably Tadassi, Tadassi Young, Dominique Duvernay, um, Peter Gabb, Omar J. Dorsey. Now, Omar J. Dorsey, I will say this, Omar J. Dorsey is that. I, I misidentified him as the the boxing coach on the wire. But Omar J. Dorsey, if I'm not mistaken, is the guy who plays um who plays the bad guy in Harriet, the one that's a slave that's working with the slave catchers, not the one with the feather in his cap. Um, the young one with the feather in his cap and the nappy and the dry natural. That boy's hair was very dry um and a little straight in parts and I just wanted to oil it anyway but not him but the guy um that was with Julian um Harriet's 
supposed owner. Um, anyway, that guy, that's how I remember him. And so he's the, he plays the cab driver. And so what I'm learning is that the through line between all of these episodes is Omar J. Dorsey, who is the cab driver, right? So Omar J. Dorsey was the cab driver for, how was he in it? Yeah, he was the cab driver for Grace and Althea, I think. Yeah, he was the cab driver in the first one, so he's a cab driver now. So he was supposedly the cab driver back in the 60s for the Grace episode, because that's apparently when it took place. And now this is like modern day, and he's still a cabbie. So he plays an intricate role in a minute. So anyway, uh, and so he will be in the third one when I talk about it, um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, So yeah, anyway, we're still set in New Orleans, and so... I read the synopsis of Pillow Shop and I didn't get this and maybe it was because I was just trying to pay attention to what was about to happen. But supposedly the the premise of this thing is that um, Andrew and his wife, Sarah, are new transplants to New Orleans. Um, and I, I didn't get that. I you, you don't get that unless... Yeah, I didn't get that, so I don't know why it's a part of the description. Maybe it was something that was cut. Anyway, the episode opens with who Andrew, the the main guy who I think is played by um, Dorian Crossman Missick. Um, he is laid up in what appears he he appears to be laid up on a gurney with all of these things can what are they called oh I'm about to I cannot think of what they're electrodes not electrodes but you know those little pads like the the EKG no hold on let me let me back up let me use medical terms that I can let me use terms that I can that you could relate to um because I don't know medical terms like that um so you know how in the movies to portray someone whose whose brain is being studied or whose heart is being studied. Um, they have these little circle pads that have these little wires that are attached to them. And then those those circle pads are like adhered to them, probably by some adhesive or whatever. And those pads go to some electronic doohickey that monitors whatever they're trying to monitor. And, they, and it puts out some sort of data, right? In the form of like lights and lines. Do you know what I mean? On the screen. And so when somebody has like it, you always see it, you always see it in, um, in TV. Um, well, in the way that you see it in media, it's like, um, somebody's being studied for something and in media, it tends to be brain activity for whatever reason. Um, because you've had these seizures or because you've had insomnia, which is the case here, um, or something else. It's always monitored in that way. So just lean on your own, um, knowledge of what movies tell you happens when they study your brain. So just imagine those little pads stuck to this guy's head all over this guy's head, even his cheeks, which is weird because there's no, anyway, um, but he's got pads on his cheeks and a bunch of pads on his head with wires coming out of them. And they're stuck to this machine that's clearly outputting stuff. Also, imagine a man who 
has not. Have you ever seen yourself or paid attention to yourself after you've been out and you had a hard night of drinking? Or, you know, you stayed up too long and you were just out. Maybe you weren't even, you know, imbibing. Maybe you were just out. And you look at your eyes when you come in and they're bloodshot. Or you've been crying very passionately. And then you look at your eyes and they're bloodshot. Imagine that. Now, and so bam, so you have this. So he's got all these electro thingies um, hooked to him. And he's laid up on this gurney. And his eyes look pitiful and red and droopy. It's clear. We know right off the bat, this guy has insomnia. Andrew has insomnia and he's trying to figure out why he has insomnia. And then you listen to his story and the, he's, he's saying, the doctor is asking him, you know, how you've been feeling lately. He's like, I just can't get any sleep. I keep having these bad dreams. And I'm like, that's not insomnia. That's you being scared to go to sleep because you hate these dreams. Um, but anyway, they just don't don't pay attention to the story so much. Pay attention or the, the fine details. Pay attention to the fact that this guy can't get any sleep. And it's based on him having bad dreams. And so he, you know, he has this moment with the doctor and he's. Oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. Um, the time I'm doing this, I should be asleep. Um, anyway, uh, so. So, yeah, he's trying to get some answers in this doctor's office and he leaves and he gets into a cab and his wife calls and um, and his wife, whose name is Sarah. And I don't know that we get maybe he does. Maybe we do hear her name. But again, names, I missed all of them anyway. So he calls his wife and it's clear that they're having a conversation about um what just happened at the doctor's office. And then in that conversation, you hear, yeah, nothing has changed. He wasn't able to do anything for me. I just need to get some sleep. And anyway, um, before this, he gets in the cab and the cab driver, again, played by Omar Dorsey, um, says, oh man, you need to look, you look like you need to get some sleep. And and as he's asking this, um, Andrew has laid his head on the back. Excuse me, the back head headrest of the cab. And then and then Andrew was like, I wish I could. And the cabbie, played by Omar J. Dorsey, says, um, yeah, I know this I know this great pillow shop that you can go to, you can get you some good sleep. Maybe sometimes it's just the simplest thing that'll allow you to get the relief that you need. And he's like, Yeah, maybe later I got something to do. Not right now, I got something to do with my wife and going out with my wife and then his wife uh sarah calls and then he begins to recount that you know nothing has changed no 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 no. she she calls later so they have this conversation he's like no i'm going out with my wife um i can't go there right now because again cabbie was gonna take him to the pillow shop um and then he's talking with the cabbie and then his wife calls and when his wife calls, she's calling to disappoint him, basically. Like, he gives her an update about them not being able to, him not being able to find any relief at the doctor's office. But she also tell gives him some bad news that she's going to have to cancel their plans for that for that night. They were supposed to go out to dinner or something like that. Um, anyway, so he's like, well, shoot, 
plans have changed. Go on and take me to this pillow shop. So the cabbie takes him to the pillow shop. And he walks in there and it is unassuming. If you've ever been to New Orleans or if you've ever been to a town that's really old and has a good antique place. Actually, no, it's just about old and old Spanish architecture. Um, yeah, you, you, you know, with the verandas and with the little small shops that look like apothecaries, you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know, the ones, if you're anywhere near the UK, you've been in a shop that looks kind of similar. Um, and then I'm sure they still have the architecture, old structures in, in parts of Spain and things like that. Um, but even if you've not, even if you're on the, uh, if you're from one of the countries in the continent of Africa, Everybody knows what a little small apothecary looking thing is. A, a design. One thing I know about design is that influence are borrowed and shared far and wide. So one structure is not unique to one locale or even a few locales or, or countries or civil, you know, anyway. Um, so, yeah. So so he walks into this little shop that is clearly in an old building and it's clearly there in the French Quarter. Um, which again, most people know what the French Quarter looks like. Even if you've never been there, you've seen it in films, especially American films, um, set in New Orleans. So just if you, if you, but if you have not seen that in film or you, you don't think you know what it looks like, just Google, Google, uh, the French Quarter. And even if the image in the foreground is showing you, a person or whatever in the background, I guarantee you will see a little shop. If you don't see St. Jan, uh, what is it? Jackson Square. Obviously, you'll see ja- Jackson Square and Cafe Dumont, but you'll also see little shops. And it's not unlike one of those little shops that you see in the background of any of those pictures when you look up New Orleans. Uh, the you look up French Quarter. You if you just look up New Orleans, you'll get all kind of stuff. But if you look up French Quarter, um you'll see one of those shops in the background guaranteed uh, of one of those pictures that, that comes up anyhow. So he's in this little shop and it's nothing but a bunch of pillars. And as he's looking, he's trying to figure out what he's doing in here. Like, why is it so special? A woman walked past him and he gives her, he gives her a little bit of a look, you know, cause she, she's conventionally pretty with long curly hair, um, she's like ambiguously brown. You know how shows do. She's ambiguously brown. You're not sure if she's Latinx or she's a uh, light-skinned black woman or, you know, whatever. Anyway, but like she's conventionally pretty and he takes a he takes a look as she's walking out the door. Like they make eye contact and then she leaves and then he's still lingering a little bit as, as she walks out the door with her pillow. And then as he's, again, trying to orient himself and get acclimated to what he's in there for, or like the shop itself and what he's in there for, um, an old man, a sweet looking old man, you know the type, um, the the white hair, kind of short, um, round glasses, uh, round black glasses, um, looks like he's dressed or at least a little dressed. You know, he's got a scarf on, he's got an overcoat on, but he appears to have a suit coat too, which makes you think, dude, it's not that, maybe he doesn't have an overcoat, but he has like a thick blazer on. And and so you can tell that he's dressed, but like, it's weird how he's dressed because he has something around, he has a scarf around his neck, but it doesn't appear to be cold because again, the, the, um, 
what you don't know is I did not describe what folks were wearing. So Andrew is just wearing a button up. And when he's, he has that moment with the, uh, conventionally pretty, ambiguously, uh, ethnic woman. Um, she just has a, a shirt on just a regular shirt. She doesn't have a jacket on or anything like that. Yet this old man comes up and greets him as the owner and he has a scarf around his neck and it's just a little odd, but again, he's smiling, he's unassuming, he's petite. So not petite, but he's short and he seems, you know, harmless and unassuming. So, um, Andrew asks him, you know, I just need to get some sleep. And so the, the pillow man, I'll just call him the pillow man comes up to him and he's like, okay, I've got the fix for you. And then he begins to put his physical hands on Andrew's head talking about he's measuring his head. And I don't know anybody who uses their hands to measure a thing in the world. And even Andrew speaks to the fact that you trying to, you you measure in my head, but you not, you don't need like a measuring tape for that. And then pillow man is like, no, 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 no. I got this down to a science or whatever language he uses. He's basically like, nah, this is how I do this anyway. So he finishes doing that weird thing where he's touching his face because gross. Um, and anyway, but like Andrew is just like, he's along for the ride. Cause he's like, I'm willing to try anything. I can't get no sleep again. What we know is that it's not that he can't get to sleep. He goes to sleep. He just keeps having these bad dreams that wake him up anyway. So he sits down in the chair. Um, I think he's sitting down in the chair when the guy is measuring his face with his, his head with, his hands anyway so after he fit if the old man finishes doing that he walks away um apparently to go get the pillow anyway he walks away and then he's talking to andrew andrew's got his back to him right so the old man is in the back corner it's not a very big shop so he's in the back corner um there's a shelves around and things like that and he's pulling things he has basically let me back up so he has a pillowcase he has a pillowcase and he appears to be putting a pillow together just for Andrew. Only he's putting things in the pillow, right? So it's not just the stuffing that he's putting in the pillow. He, it, it appears to be he's putting like uh, herbs in, in the pillowcase, right? With the, with the stuffing, right? All the while, he's asking Andrew questions. Um, and I don't even remember the, the, the questions that he was asking because... I was so distracted by the fact that the old man was putting herbs in there, which automatically had my antennas up, right? Automatically had me thinking, huh, what is this about? Like there's some witchcraft afoot, right? Um, don't, the way you getting, you gonna get him to go to sleep is because you put some, you, you put a root on him or something like you put, that's the first thing I thought. Cause we talk about New Orleans anyway. So I automatically went to what you would be using herbs for, right? And it would be to cast some sort of spell. So anyway, the old man kind of does it really casually. Again, he's putting stuffing in and then in the case, and then he's putting the herbs in and then, you know, just casually talking to Andrew again. Andrew continues to have his back toward him. The old man finishes and then folds up. You know how you know how you have more pillowcase than you have pillow, and so you fold the opening of the pillowcase underneath the pillow so that it doesn't, so that it kind of closes up. Like even if you have one of those pillowcases that zip, um, you still fold it under the the pillow that you have because you got more 
case, then you got a pillow. Anyway, so he folds it under. He folds the 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 case over, uh, uh underneath um, the the stuffing basically, and then he hands the pillow to um Andrew, and you get this sense that they have a money exchange. And anyway, Andrew leaves the shop excited, cause he has. I mean, he's tried everything else. Why not try this thing um, and see if it helps out? So he goes home and then his wife isn't there. And I, I don't know that we know exactly what he she does. You get the sense or maybe I got the sense that perhaps she was a doctor or that she worked in any she that she worked in, in healthcare because that's the only thing that I can the only industry that I can think that a person would be on call. Ooh, excuse me. That was a very long yawn. Um, it's the only industry that I can think where a person would be on call that they would go in early, like 8 a.m. and then come home late, like 9, 10. Um, but even then, I think that there's just rules uh, for working that you have to maintain like even nurses who pull like 14 hour 14 hour shifts they only do that three times a week you know what I mean like there's there's ways for you to do this um anyway so I I just I just assume that she was in healthcare. but anyway so he gets home and she's not home um I think that's how it goes and so you know he has dinner by himself and it's clear right off the bat that he's kind of missing her um, and they don't have a whole lot of alone time. They don't have a, a lot of time together. Anyway, so he goes to sleep. And I think the first time he goes to sleep, he he remembers the dream. He's in the dream and he's at this lounge that appears to be in like a hotel. So again, we're in New Orleans. So a lot of the hotels are very old and they have those lounges that are very beautiful they're built to be very beautiful because that was you know the lounge was like the speakeasy like not the speakeasy but like that the lounge was like double does the bar right and they still do that today where you can go into a hotel bar and just enjoy without actually being a member or not a member but um having without actually staying in that hotel so anyway it's like open to the public so anyway it it give it very much gives hotel bar vibes right um, or, or cocktail lounge vibes. Anyway, so he's in, he's walking into this cocktail lounge and he peers across the room. Um, and as he's peering across the room, he sees that there are couples dancing and they're really enjoying themselves. Um, and then he sees a woman in the far corner that he locks eyes with. And we remember instantly that that's the woman that, or at least I remember instantly that that's the woman that we saw in that he had the exchange with in the pillow shop. And so he's making his way to her. And I actually think he makes his way to her. And then they start to have a conversation and then he wakes up. Now, what he doesn't realize in that moment is that he has slept through the night on his brand new pillow. And he's excited. He's refreshed. He's rejuvenated. His eyes are not bloodshot. He's not lethargic. He feels refreshed. So he wakes up with a start and his wife is with him um, and they have breakfast and he's trying to make plans and all that stuff. And then she has to rush out because, again, whatever she does, it requires her to get up and get out. And then she stays a long time. 
Um, and that's clearly frustrating Andrew. So anyway, so, you know, they make plans again that night, um, for dinner and Andrew, Andrew's cooking dinner. And so she's like, yeah, yeah, we finna do this. We finna have dinner at the house with just each other, just the two of us. I'm gonna leave work early. And you know, anybody that lies say they're gonna leave work, any workaholic, you know, gonna t- tell you they're gonna leave work early. You know they lying. Anytime they say I'm gonna leave work early, you know that they not unless I don't know. Anyway, it's just I'm talking. I'm telling on myself because there have been times where, again, me not maintaining boundaries and staying at work way longer than I should, and it had the nerve to tell my husband, "Oh yeah," and at the time I meant it. Oh yeah, you know I'm gonna come home early mm, so we can do X Y Z. Come to find out, not only did I not leave work early, I stayed late. Because I don't know boundaries and I have gotten myself in trouble off that. Because at the end of the day, you need to establish boundaries and you need to maintain them. Anyway, but enough about beating up on me. Um, anyway, so she says that she's going to come home early. They're going to have dinner and boop, boop, boop and all of that. And once again, she calls and she doesn't come home for dinner. So he wraps up, he eats his food and leaves hers <laughs> She leaves hers for her to have when she gets home and he finna go to bed because again he wanted he won round two on this good night's sleep on this brand new pillow anyway so he goes to bed and he could it, it's almost as if he continues the dream or he has the dream but this time it's a little bit more extended so he he's in the hotel now he's like fully in it he's not walking in the in the lounge he's in the lounge he wakes up in the lounge um, or at least he goes to sleep and in the dream, he appears in the lounge already and he's making his way to uh, ambiguously brown girl from the pillow shop in, in the daytime, in the real world. And they begin to talk and they're dancing and he's like checking her out, right? Because like, again, he's not being fulfilled in his day life. So he's frustrated. So now he's dreaming of having a relationship or at least, you know, getting to know um, old girl. Anyway, so they're getting closing and fuzz and, and they're getting close and all that stuff. And we still see the same couples that we saw in the first dream. And, you know, um, so he's just enjoying himself and he's enjoying himself with the ambiguously, ambiguously brown woman. And while he's still dreaming, wifey comes home, Sarah comes home and sees him smiling and carrying on in the bed. She sees him sleep. She enjoys the fact that he's asleep. And, um, so, so she allows him to sleep. And then I guess sometime in the night, um, she rolls over to his pillow and, or maybe this is the next night. No, she lets him sleep. She comes home and lets him sleep and she doesn't bother him. And then she gets up and then he wakes up and she's not there again. So the very next night, this is night three now, um, she gets in bed and he's already asleep and she's just excited that he's getting sleep, right? Very excited, right? Because, you know, even though she's been busy and she's been gone, she still very much cares for her husband and her husband has been miserable. And anybody who's been in a relationship, anybody who's in a long-term relationship right now, if you for real, if you being for real and y'all are still very much in a loving relationship, then you know when your significant other is not doing well, there's a part of you that's not doing well, right? Like 
when I've been sleepless, remember I told you earlier that there were times where I wake up at three in the morning. One of the reasons, and I did that for two weeks straight. One of the reasons that that was a big problem for me was because my husband is a light sleeper when it comes to me. And it's the weirdest thing, but it's like, so he's the eldest and I'm the youngest, right? And so like, even though we trade, we trade, we take turns being spoiled brats just like it's just it's just that way sometimes the eldest can be spoiled brats but then also expected to be like the leader and the the example and then sometimes the baby um of the family is expected to be a spoiled brat but then they're also expected to get their thing together like yes the parents by the time you've gotten to the to the youngest kid the parents have kind of slacked a little bit in terms of they've loosened up in terms of all of the pressure that they put on the the elders but the elder kids but at the same time if you were a youngest kid like me there's still a pressure there for you to achieve where your eldest where your older siblings did not and I don't know I don't think that's the case for every baby of the family but like I know a lot of baby of the families who had the same pressure on them as if we were the eldest and I don't know if that has to do with age difference in your siblings or not but it has everything to do with achievement and it has everything to do with you seeing what has happened and trying to avoid doing those same things that your siblings did anyway. So anyway, but my husband is like, I will, he, he always covers me up, like covers me up to my neck because he says I get cold at night. And I'm like, every time I wake up and I'm like, but I'm burning hot. It's because he runs hot and I run cool, cool, cool. And so he has all these covers on me because he runs hot, but he loves to have a bunch of covers on him. And I know I'm going off of a, on a rant, but anyway, um, so he, he likes to be uber warm to the point where he's sweating, but he's also like a polar bear. So I burn up. I like to be a certain temperature all the time. And then he likes to snuggle and stuff, which wouldn't be so bad if he wasn't a polar bear that like retained all this doggone heat. Anyway, so my point is we, we tussle back and forth because he's always trying to cover me up and, and stuff. And I would simply like him to just let me throw the covers off. When I get cold, I will put them on myself. Don't you wrap me up like a burrito. I will do it myself. Anyway, um, but anyway, but the point is when I, (laughs) woo, tangent. Anyway, when I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning and having trouble going back to sleep, I was waking him up too because he's he's got that protector piece on him. And it's actually, it's vice versa because when he's not sleeping well, if I'm not in a coma because I'm so so sleepy. No, I take that back. I know when he's restless because when he moves too much, even if I am just in the best sleep I'd have ever had, I will still wake up because I notice something is wrong. And so anyway, I think that's true of all couples, right? Like unless y'all just really can't stand each other or y'all don't sleep in the same um if y'all don't sleep in the same bed, um you stir when your loved one stirs when they're not sleeping well right you you know it impacts you too and so anyway so I get how she lets him sleep because like she's relieved that he's sleeping because she knows that's she's she knows that's been tormenting him and so anyway so she the third night she gets in she gets in late obviously she's already had her dinner that he left out for and she sees him smiling and so she's like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I love this. So she wants to cuddle, as you do, because duh, you cuddle with your boo. Anyway, especially in bed. Anyway, um, 
So she gets in and she cuddles like you're supposed to. And she invariably puts her head on the pillow and then she falls asleep. The the, the pillow that um, he bought, his, his, his new one. Anyway, she, she, she puts her head on, on the pillow and then she falls asleep. And what instantly happens is she's in the same hotel that he was in and she's in her jammies and she's at the staircase and she has to walk up the staircase, right? So she walks, she's walking, 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 walking. And somehow or another, she finds herself to one of the bedrooms. Um, Oh, and here's the other thing. Not only is this a hotel, but it's like a boarding house hotel, right? So the the, the foyer and the dining room and the lobby are all shared spaces. And there's really nothing else except for when you walk up the stairs, the rooms. So she's at the stairway that leads to the rooms. She walks up the stairs and she sees one, one hotel room and there's a couple that was dancing that has been dancing in Andrew's dreams. They're making out real hard in um, one of the open door hotel rooms. So she lets them, ha- you know, lets them do their thing. And then she goes to the next door. And she opens it up and she sees her husband make it out with a, a girl. Now, it, we know it's the, it's the girl, the woman that he's making out with is the ambiguously brown one from the pillow shop. Anyway, so she sees that and she instantly wakes up. It's a nightmare for her. And when she wakes up, he wakes up and they look at each other. They wake up with a start and they look at each other and then they go on about their business. And in that moment, I don't think we know whether or not Andrew saw Sarah in his dream, but while he was making out with ambiguously brown girl, but De- Sarah definitely saw him and it freaked the both of them out regardless. Right. So they move on and she does this thing again where she's working, 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 working. And anyway, they're at breakfast and she's reading a newspaper or he's reading the newspaper. And anyway, on the outside of the newspaper paper, the headline story, we see that four people have died in their sleep in the last so few days or whatever. And it's like the way the, it's the way the newspaper is shown, we're meant to see that. And anyway, so what you put a pin in it. Well, anyway, so, you know, again, Andrew, Andrew in this moment, while they're having another intimate moment where they're talking and, and, and trying to get on the same page, Andrew expresses that she's working a lot. And they have a little bit of an altercation, Uh, not an an altercation, but definitely they have a moment. They're not arguing, but they're definitely having a disagreement. Andrew is sharing his frustration that he doesn't see her as often as he, he wants to. She doesn't get why he's frustrated. He, she knows, he knows she's working. Right. And the disconnect is, girl, you need to make time for your husband. You need to establish boundaries. Right. Like, yes, we know where you at. He don't think you're cheating. He doesn't think you're cheating, but he definitely doesn't see you as much as he should. And you don't see him as much as he should. You should. You should see that. Like you should appreciate how he's frustrated that you're not available more. Right. You need to start paying attention. You need to start making time for your marriage. Right. Anyway, but she's not hearing him because she's like, I've got, this is work. This is what I do. This is how I help provide for the family. 
And so he's just like, okay, girl, well, you're still not getting the fact that I need you. So moving on. So anyway, so he, she goes, speeds off again. This was in the morning. So she speeds off to work and he's like, I think he doesn't work or I don't ever see him leave for a job. We don't ever see him leave for a job in this, in this seat, in this show. Um, so anyway, so it's clear that she goes off to work and he goes on about her, his day, having not paid much attention to that, um, that, uh, headline story on the newspaper. Anyway, so it's nighttime again. He's ready to hop back in the bed and get another nice sleep. At this point, I think we're supposed to assume that this is day like five or something like that. It's not meant to be like weeks and months. It's meant to be days, I believe. So anyway, he's back in bed and he's asleep. And this time he's laid up and... um, Oh, let me... Well, I, I'm going to correct something in a minute. But he's laid up in the bed and he's laid up in the bed next to ambiguously brown girl and in the uh in this in this dream the old man from the pillar shop is walking up he's next to to the the ambiguously brown girl side of the bed and he puts a pillowcase over ambiguously brown girl's face he's suffocating her to death he's smothering he's yeah, he's suff- he's smothering her to death. And Andrew is asleep in the bed, but he wakes up cuz he puts the pillow over her face and sh- he wakes up and she's uh he knows that she's dead. He knows that she's been suffocated. And what we also need to know, what and what I should have said before is before Sarah sees him, opens the door and sees him making out no, 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 never mind. I don't need to correct anything. I'm getting it right. So, yeah, so she goes to sleep. She is asleep and she rolls over on his pillow. The same time he's having the dream where Ambiguously Brown Girl is being um, smothered to death. He's dreaming that he's asleep and he's seeing this. Sarah rolls over in real life and lays her head on the pillow again and cuddles with him. And she goes back to the room because, again, she's waking up not in the lobby, but in the stairwell or at least at the foot of the stairs, getting ready to walk up the stairs to go to one of the rooms. And anyway, she goes to the room where her husband is with the ambiguously brown girl. And um, yeah, she's like, I, I think she's the one. She also sees that old girl's being smothered to death. And she, this happens the first time. And then if I'm not making this up, they, they, fall asleep again um and it's about to be Andrew who's gonna be smothered to death and Sarah basically breaks in like she's she busts into the door to the room and catches the guy before he smothers Andrew right and so they wake up again with a start. It's a nightmare. They know that they're having the same nightmare, basically just different versions of it and or different perspectives of the same nightmare. And so they decide, yeah, this pillow's got to go. And she's like, yeah, the pillow got, you know, they both decide the pillow's got to go. And so Andrew wakes up, gets in his car. He's going to go drive to the little shop where the pillow shop where he got it in the first place to give it back or exchange his money. Like, I don't know what he was expecting to do there, 
But anyway, he drives with the pillow in hand um, to the shop and gets out and is astonished to see that the shop that was once active and lively with a bunch of people coming in and out of it, the whole building is boarded up. All the windows are boarded up and and there's a padlock on the door. And he's confused. And so what we... We, so he's confused. He still's got the pillow. He knows he's not going to go to sleep on it. But, you know, um, he's not doing this anymore. And he doesn't know what happened. But, he, you know, you get the sense that he's never sleeping on this pillow again. But that he's confused where the shop went. So that's where the story ends for them. And then it's like that scene cuts. And then we're immediately taken to another scene. And it's like somewhere in the Midwest. And... You've got this guy walking into a pillow shop looking for a pillow and who should turn around and greet him. But the same old man that initially sold Andrew the pillow and that was suffocating people in their sleep, in their dream. He was some sort of warlock Um, that was the, you know, clearly the thing that he was putting in their pillow was the thing that was allowing him to connect with them so that he could take their life for whatever reason. Um... And so he's packed up shop in New Orleans and has moved across country somewhere in the Midwest to do the same thing he was doing before, taking souls through the through sleep. And again, it's it were there fine details that could have been righted or, or done better. Absolutely. But this story. It scared me because it's something so simple. Something so harmless as somebody helping you get a sleep aid, right? In this form, it was in, in the form of a pillow. But, you know, the, the cautionary tale is here. Examine the things that you're given. Examine the things that you buy from folks, especially the simple things. You never know what that thing could actually mean. It could be a talisman for somebody else, right? Could be a talisman that allows them to, you know, mess with you is the moral of that story. Anyway, I think it's pretty awesome. Um, and I'm really liking the series, even though it's about to wrap up with episode three. Ugh. anyway. Um, but yeah, this has been pretty fun, actually. 17 minutes, 16 minute episodes. And then they're packed full of stuff. Like again, just like with Grace, I think Pillow Shop could have been extended, but I don't know for how, by how much. Like maybe it could have been, instead of a movie, it could have been, a series and pillow shop is just one of the themes that runs through it. You know what I mean? Um, because the relationship between Sarah and Andrew is a, is a story, the relationship, like figuring out the woman that he met, um, is a story in her life. The other people that he kept seeing in the dream and their life, that could have been a story, like several storylines in this one series, right? I don't know if it would have been a two series episode. Perhaps it could have been that they team up with some parallel, you know, some some people who are into hoodoo and and voodoo. And and then they go track this person down and then they have supernatural fights with them. Like it could have been a two, three uh, season show or whatever. But like, you know, you got to flesh those ideas out. And so, yeah, so this is cool, though. Like, I I really thought it was cool. Of course, it could be expanded to a TV show. Um, And I'm really liking this. I really like this story. Um, And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one, um, which won't be next week. Again, I'm kind of spacing these things out um, so that we can kind of get the most of 
uh, most of our experience with Halloween because Halloween, there's five Saturdays in uh, October, five Thursdays in October. So we got to spread this baby out anyway. Um, yeah. So while you're listening to my podcast, if you want other creepy stories, or you want to hear other creepy stories that are based in reality or based in religion and, and, um, you want to hear some interesting people tell those stories or hear those stories told in an interesting way, you need to be listening to the spooked podcast. Like I'm not even getting in any, any I'm not getting any endorsements from them. Like I'm not getting anything from saying this, but you need to be listening to spook spooked podcast by WNYC. It's too scary for me at times, because again, I've already, for the reasons I've already described when I was talking about grace. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, you should be listening to that because it's creepy. Um, also I am watching Hulu um, and they have this whole thing. I, I mentioned this already, but they have this in, well, in another episode. Um, but they have this whole list, this curated list of Halloween movies for the family, spiritual movies. Like they have genres, um, psychological thrillers, religious, spiritual based things, um, straight up slasher films. They have everything that you would want. Um, and so you should check that out. If you, if you have Hulu, Hulu, you should check that out and watch it because that's definitely where I'm getting some of my supplementing some of my uh scary scary films and 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 things so anyway so yeah um even though I'm a fraidy cat you know what it is I'm still into spooky season and my uh friend who exposed me to that one movie that I will never name again but you know what I'm talking about okay insidious I named it anyway um he's doing he and his partner are doing the scary a scary thon and when I tell you they do it, I'm telling you they do it up. They literally have a calendar with almost every day filled with movies and their showing times. And you have to show up when the movie starts. If you show up in the middle, they're not going to restart it. Wherever you are, when they, it, it, wherever they are in the movie, when they start it is where you are, when you're going to see it. They're not going to replay it. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to sign up to be on one of their uh, movie nights. Of course, they're doing socially distanced, so they're only allowing a couple of people in their place at one time um, so that they can maintain social distancing and cleaning and all of that stuff. So anyway, so I'm going to sign up for that because it's going to be fun. Um, even though I'm a Frady cat and I guess I really need to research the movies that I'm going to go see so that I'm not freaked out um, and having trouble sleeping because we're not doing this again. It's 2020. We're not doing this. I have learned my lesson. Anyway, I hope you have friends in your life that do stuff like that or maybe you're that friend in other people's life because that's the funnest thing ever. You know what I mean? Like, especially at times like these, you need that friend who can organize stuff like that and like really be into it and just kind of lift folks spirits in the process and lifting yours too. So anyway, all right, that's it for today. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for rating and sharing episodes, you know, rating it positively, uh, four stars or more on, um, Apple music is how, you know, it's how you can help expand the reach of the show, um, as well as sharing episodes with your friends and family and people you don't like, but who might get into one of these episodes. Sharing it with them is cool, too. Um, yeah. And then leave me a message. I'd love to hear from you if you've watched this episode or the, the Soul City New Orleans season. Um, and I'd love to hear what you think about it. 
Also, um, while you're there, if you want to donate, you can do that too. Even 99 cents would be a helpful contribution. But yeah, anyway, just share and keep listening because I appreciate you. All right, until next time, take care.